Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Mark Barton, he said, this kid is the greatest thing I've seen since sliced bread. Well, that nickname has stuck. One lap away from his first Cup Series championship. Joey Logano at 28 years old, fulfilling a dream. As he comes out of turn number four to claim his first ever Cup Series championship, it's Joey Logano who On this Monday, welcome into NASCAR America, everybody. Carol Lomano and Parker Quigerman. And from NBC Charlotte, our NASCAR and NBC race analyst, Jeff Burton and Steve Letart. Steve, Joey Logano, 20-1 to underdog at the start of the playoffs. When did you really consider the possibility that he could win this year's championship? Well, even after his win at Martinsville, I thought it would be a long shot. But I think it was Friday in practice, Jeff. You and I both saw they came off the truck, maybe not as fast. He was definitely the fourth of the championship four. But by the time the first practice ended... He had speed to match the other three, and that's where the self-proclaimed favorite started showing that he could become the champion. You know, Joey Logano, Jeff, is now tied for 36 on the Cup Series all-time wins list. Do you have any idea who he might be uh -oh. tied with? This, I didn't know this was trivia with Monday. I'm sorry. For, I'm sorry. I wasn't prepared. It's you. Oh, it's you. you. Come on. It's oh, you. No. That means he's going to pass me. <laughs> <laughs> that's, in all seriousness, and Steve, I'll let you speak to this because I don't want to embarrass Jeff too much, but that's some serious company right there. It is. I mean, when you start talking about double-digit wins, once you get over 10 or 15 wins, uh, it's an impressive list to think. Jeff, uh, listen, my career, I chase this guy around a lot of racetracks, and for Joey Logano to do it at his age, Jeff, I think it's even more impressive, right? He has a lot of years ahead. You know what he has that I don't? Huh. Championship. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, there's still time to jump back in the race car. Um, Parker, you were assigned to Joey Logano as a pit reporter. You covered him all weekend long. What can you tell us that we might not have seen in the broadcast about this team and the way they got this championship? Well, I think it's that they, they had a plan going in the week prior, and they stuck to it. And what I mean by that is you saw it throughout the weekend. They were also so relaxed about everything. You could tell they had been there before, done this. And he talked a lot about how, how much they had learned from those prior defeats. But they stuck to this plan in terms of having that car be best at the nighttime and we saw it in the daytime they were not the strongest car but as the night fell and the team even motioned to me throughout the night hey wait for the sun to fall wait for the sun to fall when the sun fell and it was nighttime and it was the right time to strike they had the fastest car so their plan worked out perfectly let's go back to the key moments from sunday's race and get into what parker and the rest of our analysts are talking about the 36th and final race of the season championship sunday in miami kevin harvick kyle bush joey logano martin Truex jr 
making up the championship four, all vying for the same thing, that trophy right there. And Parker, Kevin Harvick had the worst starting spot of the four title contender. Stage one, though, did belong to him. Yeah, he was incredibly fast at the start of his race, painting that white line as you see down there, using that very effectively. But that was the daytime. That would be his downfall. Yeah, exactly what you were just saying with Joey Logano, Jeff. Stage two, Harvick would battle Kyle Larson for most of this. Well, get used to this. Kyle Larson on the fence all night long. Had tons of long run speed up there. He wasn't a little bit faster than the field up there. He was way faster than the field making that top work. Larson's certainly a threat for the checkered flag until lap 193. And as Jeff Burton said in the race broadcast, you didn't think he could do this all night, and he could not. Run up next to that wall, eventually hits the wall, puts that right side fender into his right rear tire and cuts it down. That would take away his chance. He came back to finish 13th and then see trouble on pit road for Kyle Busch on the ensuing caution here. Yeah, a lot of controversy about this number one pit stall. The deal Joe Gibbs worked out to put the 18 there. Why it is an advantage, it's not a guarantee. Mistakes cost the 18 spots most of the night. 49 to go. Truex, Jeff passing Logano for the lead. This is long run speed versus short run speed. Truex had long run speed all night. I thought that Logano and Harvin had a short run speed. Truex long run went right by him. Yeah, but how do you beat long run speed, Jeff? You pit first. Tony Gibson with a big call, championship on the line, calls the four of Kevin Harvick to pit road. The ensuing lap, the 78 comes to pit road, the 22 of Joe Logano comes to pit road. What does one lap pressure tires mean? That's about a three-second advantage, and as Kevin Harvick goes by Joe Logano, the boss, Smoke, on the pit box, rooting him on. Look, he can't drive, but he's a big fan. Three of the championship four had pitted Carolyn, but the 18 stayed on the racetrack, kind of hoping for a miracle car. And with 20 laps to go, Parker, they got it. Exactly. They threw that Hail Mary, and Brad Kozlowski and Daniel Suarez and Dave Reagan going four wide would actually give them that. They're here, you see Daniel Suarez spin out, and then he would blow that right front wing debris down the back. But on the final restart with 15 to go, Bush on the front row, and Jeff, he could not keep the lead. No, he could not. I didn't like this lane pick. He hadn't been up there all day long. He really didn't have the experience. See Truex already on the bottom by him. I didn't think it mattered. Truex and Logano were much faster than Bush, but not a good start. And Steve, we just know who the night belonged to. It was Joey Logano. In the end, it was a sprint for a championship. And the 22 of Joey Logano restarted third, made short work of the 18 of Kyle Busch, and then perhaps one of the most impressive passes in all of 2018, storms by the 78. Controversy, could the 78 get to his bumper? He didn't have a chance. The 22 went by so fast. There's no way the 78 had a chance to catch him. Joey Logano goes on to win his first NASCAR Cup Series championship. Oh, by the way, this championship for Penske coming six years to the day after Brad Kozlowski won his. So big moment for Joey Logano in his career. The big three be no longer as he captures the title for the fifth consecutive season, which has been every season in the current playoff format. The race winner at Homestead Miami Speedway won the Monster Energy Cup Series title. And in 2018, that driver is Joey Logano, who spoke to us several different times last night. Here's the best from all those interviews. We did it. We won the championship. I can't believe it. I don't even know what to say. Did you really feel like you were the underdog in this, Joey? No, I told you I didn't feel like the underdog, and we proved it why we're not. This is the favorite, and I told you I won that before the race started. I told my interior guy, Daniel Lynch, before we got in, I said, I'm getting in as a driver, I'm getting out as a champion. We won the championship, Marty, oh my god! I know you did, I know you did. I'm looking forward to tonight. Right? I don't, know, I don't really know how to celebrate as a champion. I'm really not a partier at all. Um, but we might have to learn how to do that tonight. Uh, from the beginning, when I was driving go-karts around my dad's garbage company and hitting dumpsters to where we are today, I was that kid. 
Every uh, every time someone asks me what I wanted to be, I said NASCAR champion, and today I can say it. You do change a lot uh, as you grow up, and I happen to grow up in front of a lot of people and witnessed a lot of my mistakes that uh, I made in the, in the in the past. But every one of those mistakes has formed me to who I am today. And I'm not a champion. These guys are champions with me. What an amazing day! Look at this is probably the best part right here. Crossing the line is one thing, but man, being able to to celebrate with your team, your family, everybody's there. There's no better feeling than that right there. That's just, it's incredible. Um, man, it's, that's really fun to watch. Keep uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, replaying that, replay it again. <laughs> you don't have that on a loop. Oh, yeah. of yeah. course, yeah. of course. What a night for the 28-year-old from Connecticut with his first career cut series title, Joey Logano becoming the seventh different champion in the last eight seasons, also gives Team Penske its second cup title, of course joining Brad Keselowski's from 2012. After the last NASCAR America wrapped before this weekend, Parker, you and I looked at each other as we were walking out the door here, and I said, I think Joey Logano's going to win this championship, and you said, yeah, I think so too. The reason I felt that way was because you heard him there. He has been saying all the right things in the lead-up to the championship. He willed this into fruition. Why did you think he was going to be able to get it done? Well, partially because I got to speak to Todd Gordon and Joey, you know, leading up to it. And I just had this sense, kind of like you did, that there was such a confidence amongst that race team. They felt like they knew exactly what they needed to do. They had a plan for the weekend, and they knew how to stick to it. And it was those prior defeats, you know, the last two times they'd been a part of the championship four, they talked about how much they learned from those times and how good they'd also been at Homestead Miami. So I felt like all those things and seeing the extra speed out of that 22 car since about Kansas in the playoffs when they won the pole and led a lot of laps, I just had this sense that the 22 was going to have the speed to combat the big three, and therefore, if they executed appropriately, they could get the championship. Steve, was this the race that Todd Gordon and the 22 team prepared their car for? Uh, well, every time I talked to Todd Gordon, he talked about short runs, short runs, short runs, which is kind of the signature of all of Team Penske throughout the years, really throughout the history. I'm not sure why. I don't know if it's a mindset, but they're always good in qualifying. They're always a short run organization, but I'll say... I walked through the garage first thing Friday morning. I saw Tony Gibson. I saw Cole Pern. I saw Adam Stevens. They seemed a little lighthearted, focused but lighthearted. I didn't get that out of the crew chief of the 22. I was concerned that uh, they, were, they were tense. I thought Todd Gordon was a little tense. He didn't look um, too confident. I thought he looked nervous. I must have misread him because by the time I went back in there on late Saturday afternoon and Sunday morning, he was then relaxed. Like everything was coming together like he had wanted. And in the end, Jeff, Whatever their plan was, it worked. And if it was short runs, they're right. I mean, this race always seems to come down to a yellow. And even if it's not a yellow, pit strategy alone forces you into a short run. Yeah, that's exactly right. I, listen, Joey Logano and his team, they just did a better job uh, getting ready for the playoffs and figuring out what they needed. And if you go back and listen to them, you know, Todd said that the thing they lacked was speed. They needed – the cars drove okay, all that. They needed speed. And you and I both know – We've been involved in this for a long time. This, the minute ever, the guy starts telling you, if you're a crew chief or a driver, and your crew chief says, hey, look, I know we're not very fast, but we're good on a long run, that's code for <laughs> we're not good enough. Yeah. That's what that means. <laughs> and so that's what they were saying. they got to find speed. And if that means sacrificing long run speed, then so be it. you got to be able to take off. you got to be able to run fast. If Harvick or somebody can beat you on a long run, have at it. Uh, Harvick, to me, all year long was the best at long run speed, short run speed combined, but this team found a way in the playoffs. They outperformed the big three in the playoffs. If you look at the numbers, if you look at stats alone, the big three were outperformed by Joey Logano throughout the entire playoffs, not just at Homestead. Their second best average finish, they were the most top tens in the playoffs, 
they had a better playoff than the big than the big three did. Well, I was fortunate enough to start my career at crew chief for a Hall of Famer, Parker. And you talk about short runs. We were at Martinsville one day. I was arguing with Jeff Gordon that we were great in the long run. He kind of punched me in the shoulder. He goes, you know what happens in every long run? I was a young kid. I had no idea. He goes, a short run. It's called the first 20 laps. So we're going to have to be better for the first 20 laps. I said, okay, I get it. I'll work on the short run. Now I get, I see it. You know, it's interesting, Jeff, that you brought up Todd Gordon mentioning that lack of speed, the raw speed. He told me basically this last week leading up to it that it was about mid-season this year that they kind of had that meeting where they decided, all right, we need to figure out what do we need to do to get raw speed in these cars. And he said, when we got to Kansas, we won that pole, we led laps. You know, we felt like we were starting to see the fruits of those labors. And then he goes, you know, we go to Texas, if you take out the four car from Texas, we're battling the 12 for the win. He said, we knew we had the speed coming in here. We don't feel like anyone else saw it sort of coming. It's like they snuck up on everyone. And Jeff, you mentioned it. They were the best in the playoffs. So, you know, when he labeled himself the self-proclaimed favorite, I think it was just that they saw that they had started to see the fruits of labors of finding that speed that they lacked the beginning, the middle of the season. Jeff, where do you rank the move that Logano made with 12 to go among some of the most exciting you've ever seen? Steve said it. It was one of the most impressive passes of the year. Uh, I I was shocked how fast he went around. I mean, Junior and I were in the booth, and we both like, my goodness. I mean, it was amazing how much faster the 22 was right here. I mean, you're passing the leader of the race. It looks like a lap car that he's going by. That's just ridiculous speed. I don't know how I don't know how Joey knew that the car had that much grip. Well, that's that's a crazy move. The one thing we haven't talked about, and I think it's the great equalizer, and that's my Miami. Homestead Miami is a track we only see once, and when you talk about stats in mile and a half, Homestead is a complete outlier. That track's nothing like anything else we see. The other thing, I, we cannot forget, Carolyn, we cannot forget Martinsville. We oh. cannot forget that Joey Logano put himself out there. There was a chance to win a race, and that race for Joey Logano meant an opportunity to win a championship. And people can hate it, people can dislike it, whatever. You can boo Joey Logano afterward. That move of moving, moving Truex out of the way exposed him to some danger, no doubt, but it gave him a shot to win the championship. And you cannot forget how important this move is. And you also can't, we cannot underestimate what this means for the future. Like you just saw Joey Logano move somebody out of the way to win the race that moved him to Miami to win a championship. Why are you as a driver not going to do that next year when you have a shot? You cannot tell me this isn't going to have a long-term effect on racing in the future. Well, from the crew guys, for sure. I mean, I think it galvanized the 22 team. Um, when you look at the regular season success of the big three, there wasn't a lot of room in the championship four for another driver. And what the 22 did will be seen across all the series. I mean, the format's the same for every series. So I expect that that uh, circle that Martinsville race, Carolyn. That's going to be one we talk about every year when we go there. So what do we talk about every week? Restarts, track position, right? So Joey Logano's pit crew stepped up. In, in the last 10 races, I think they had the best pit crew. They stepped up, did their job. Joey Logano had the fastest car on, on restarts. That's how you win races in today's NASCAR. You have to have track position. You have to have speed. I love what you guys referenced about Martinsville because that's exactly what Todd Gordon told me. He said, you know what we did there by winning that race is we're essentially sort of changing the methodology of the playoffs where – when you win that race, you've locked yourself in for a championship, and he said that race is now probably going to become the most important race in the playoffs going forward. Whether it's a positive or a negative, we'll see. I guess, is the big question that remains to be seen. A difficult one to answer. Plenty more to come over the next hour. A career season ended with a thud for Kyle Busch in last night's title finale. What went wrong 
for both him and the 18 team. We're going to get into that. For Martin Truex Jr. and Furniture Row Racing, the end finally arrived. We're going to have their emotional reactions after they came just one spot short of going out on top. Over in the Xfinity Series, Tyler Reddick opened the year with a win at Daytona and capped it off with another at Miami. How did the 22-year-old take the title that nobody may have expected from him? And we're also going to take you through our favorite moments of the 2018 NASCAR on NBC season. Plenty more to come. Stick around to get started. NASCAR America is brought to you by Mobile One Annual Protection. Proven protection for 20,000 miles. The day after Thanksgiving, there is still so much to be thankful for, even though the NASCAR season is over. Henrik Lundqvist and the Rangers facing off against Claude Giroux and the division rival Flyers in the Discover NHL Thanksgiving showdown. That is Friday, 1 Eastern, only on NBC. So plenty of hockey if you want your fix over this next week, spending time with your family. I think these three are going to want to spend some time with their families over the next couple days. This, this is the big three at Media Center after the race on Sunday, and Steve... Maybe this is how they should look. Super, super disappointed. Absolutely. I'm, I'm questioning if I'd have made it to the media center. Maybe they did better than I would have. But um, you see, you see how much it meant to these three by their reaction after not being successful. You know, Kyle Busch entered the race as the favorite to win, but it became apparent very early on that he did not have the car to get that done. Change your car in here. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's kind of different, kind of the same. It fired off the first corner way worse. I don't know what happened there. Really, really tight versus the rest of the day. It's been pretty good through there. Um, it's, I don't know if it's just at the right rear. Never really attached to the front. It's just not rolling the center. And I thought it was slow. That's why we don't seem to have speed. I'm trying to figure it out. It's just like the balance. Okay, it just lacks grip. Fantastic day for all this What the man. Damn, I can't pass the car. Need you guys, and I got. 10 more, bud. We're all dying right here with you, man. Got 70 laps to pull something out of here, so make it happen. Uh, you didn't get the uh, big prize today, but how will you remember the bulk of the season? A big one for the 18 team. Lots of wins. Forget about it now. Move on. Steve, what surprised you the most about the performance of the 18? Well, I think, you know. Pit mistakes can easily come and go, but I think overall it was what Kyle said, the lack of speed. I think uh, coming off that win at Phoenix, even though the 22 had stepped off in the playoffs, the 18 consistently really all year would show up with just great speed, top three, top four speed. And I know the pit crew didn't help them out and put them behind, but there was nothing in that 18 car that was magical. At each point during the race, the four, when they dropped the green, drove right to the front. We saw that in the highlights running the bottom of the racetrack. The 22 at times, you said, man, he's got great short run speed. If it comes down to a short run, he should be good. The 78 had great long run speed. The 18 had none of the above. And he wasn't better in any category, and that's really what surprised me. A team that I think didn't have a lot of weaknesses coming into the race really raced with nothing but weaknesses. Average pit crew, average speed. I think decent pit calls by Adam Stevens was the only thing that even kept him in the picture for that last restart, but in the end... You saw the closing laps, while a lot of the, the fans were focused on the 22, a second out in front, I kept looking at the 18, who was four or five seconds out the back in just a handful of laps. I was shocked at the pit crews struggling. You and I talk, have talked a lot about pit crews. Uh, you felt really good about the 18 pit crew, because when you look at it through the year, the 18 yeah. had the best pit crew. 
and they just didn't come to they didn't come to play this weekend. And I was shocked about that. They recovered from all that though. In the end of the day, they just never had the speed. And it's shocking that as fast as that team has been for them to come to the playoff, you know, the championship race and not be able to find that speed. I think that kind of tells you though, I don't think it happened for that one race. Yeah. I think that that speed started tailing off in the playoffs. They just didn't have it. In most races, they did not have it. By the way, none of them did, in my opinion. None of them looked great throughout the whole playoffs, but something happened where they, that big three uh, just lost some of that some of that magic that they had earlier in the year. Steve mentioned the word consistency while we're talking about the big three. I mean, the other consistent driver over the entire season, Kevin Harvick. You had a chance to interview him after the loss. Let's play that quickly. Eight wins on the season, not getting the championship. Is this the kind of the season that got away a little bit in that sense? I don't think so. No? Eight wins is good enough for you? Yeah. Don't you think? I think it's good, yeah. definitely. You'd be happy with it, wouldn't you? I would take that, yeah. no doubt. No, Congratulations. You know, it's, it's, it's been a great year, and, and we just got beat tonight. Okay, so frustrated. Yes, I know that was, um, of course. a tough moment for you. But, you know, I was thinking about it, and months and months of consistency, an entire season of being the favorite, the one that is pointed towards winning the championship, to have it come just short must be really devastating. I think it's frustrating. You know, when I look at the four teams, the whole weekend, they just seemed a little bit off. I mean, you look at qualifying, it didn't go well. And then Saturday practice, they had a short run to start off the first practice because he wasn't happy with the car. He wasn't able to find the feel in the car. It just seemed like they were searching a little bit. They weren't really being able to stick to a plan like I've rest the 22 was able to do. And it, you, you saw in the daytime, especially that first run, they were really fast, but it just seems like they fell behind on the adjustments. They made the rear air pressure adjustment, and that wasn't good enough for the car. And then, you know, they were trying to throw different adjustments at it that none of the other teams, I didn't see at least the 22 doing, they just did air pressure. They weren't throwing those sorts of things. So they were kind of throwing some Hail Marys in the adjustment category, and that just told me they were a little bit off. And I just don't think that the whole weekend felt a little bit off of the four car compared to what we've seen out of them throughout the season, which allowed them to get eight wins. I mean, they were so dominant at portions of this season, so much speed over the rest of the field, and it just did not show up when it mattered most at Miami. Jeff, in the race that means the most, and you've been so consistent all year long, what must that be like for a driver like Kevin Harvick to be constantly trying to figure out what the problems are? Yeah, well, I think, I think for all three of the guys that didn't win, that would have been their second championship. And the second championship, you know, is a huge deal. The first one's huge. The second one's even bigger. Uh, I, I think for me, the turning point for Kevin Harvick and his team, though, was they were really, really fast on short runs. They came in, made a pit stop, didn't change anything, took some tape off the grill. That's all he did, took a little tape off, and then they were no good. They were not anywhere near as good after that. And that, to me, was their opportunity. Okay, we didn't really make a change but the car went away, that showed me the track was changing. And they just were not able to keep up with it the way their competition was. And in this kind of race, it all comes down to one race. If you just get off that little bit at the wrong time, it's no time to recover. Well, listen, I want to go back to the penalty. I know after Texas, the four car was penalized, and they went to Phoenix, and they were fast as we all expected. And I heard through social media, through the fans and other media members say, well, it wasn't a penalty. It didn't hurt. Look at the four. They're still fine. I think sitting here today with the Ford not being successful in the championship, there's no one answer. There's no magic button. There's no magic switch. But there's no way Rodney Childers not being on top of the pit box, as good as Tony Gibson did, there's a reason Rodney Childers and Kevin Harvick have found so much success together. And you have to ask yourself, not the adjustments, not even the questions, maybe just the tone, maybe the belief in what he heard on the radio. You know, if it was Rodney and Kevin communicating like they had been all year, would that made a difference? I don't know. 
But there's no way that that team, that fans, and even us as the media, we have to question how much that penalty perhaps took out of the four car in the two most pressure-packed weeks of the year. Steve, quickly, did you see any missteps from Tony Gibson? I thought Tony Gibson did a remarkable job in the position he was at, but there's a lot, a lot of difference between calling a great race and understanding the emotion of your driver to stay ahead on the adjustments. At a track we only go to once a year, where you start in the day, you go tonight, you race on the bottom, you race at top. There are so many little single keys you can't explain enough. You just have to ask yourself, was there a magical question that didn't get asked? And none of us will ever know. Martin Truex Jr. was going for his second championships, back-to-back championships at that, but also had the added emotional intensity of winning for his owner, Barney Visser, in Furniture Row Racing, whose doors are now closed. It was very emotional after the loss on Sunday. Sure run all day. Sorry, I didn't play out there. Take your plug, Valiant effort, nonetheless. Proud everybody. Awesome year. Thank you for everything all year. Thanks for the last five. Been the best time of my life. I don't know what else to say. I mean, uh, these guys, are, they've been amazing. They've made, uh, they've made me a superstar in NASCAR. And it's, uh, I'm just very thankful for them all. Such an honest post-race interview. Uh, Martin Truex Jr. basically saying that Barney Visser and that organization changed his life. Well, really, when you look about what, when he first joined them, I mean, he was coming off, a, you know, an unsuccessful situation there at Michael Waltrip Racing. He gets this lifeline. It doesn't start off that great. And then eventually they started to turn the corner and became champions and really changed the course of his career and the way that Martin Truex Jr. is viewed by the entire sport. So no doubt, I think they'll always hold a soft spot in his heart. And when you look at this race this past weekend, I mean, they executed a very high level. And in, in the long run, as we keep saying, they were incredibly fast. And if that long run plays out the end, I think he could have been a two-time champion, really. I think it's funny when you look back at how he won his championship a year prior, the short run helped him. It probably saved him from the 18. But this year, it just took it away. They didn't have that short run speed to beat the 22, but they put up a heck of a fight. And to think they did this all under the cloud of knowing that that organization is shutting down after this last race. I just think that's incredible about every team member, every person that touched that car or had anything to do with front row racing because I think, or furniture row racing, sorry, because I think... That is incredible. They were able to focus knowing that that was happening in the background. And all the members of that organization have that first championship to think about once the sting of this one goes away. Martin Truex Jr. and Cole Pern moving on to Joe Gibbs Racing next season. Coming up, we are going to recap the 2018 season with some of the best moments from the race to Miami. And our analysts reveal some of their favorite moments from the NASCAR and NBC schedule as well. That's straight ahead. Stay with us. Welcome back, everybody. All right, so let's play a quick game of Guess the Driver. As you can see, we have three drivers, very similar performances in 2018. Um, Steve, let's start with driver one. Three race wins, 12 top fives, five stage wins. Who do you think this is? Uh, Joe Logano. Incorrect. It is Brad Kozlowski. Ah. Um, how about driver two, Jeff? Three race wins also, one less top five finish, and a stage win compared to Brad K. What's your guess here? Chase Elliott. Oh, he did it. But he had a little bit of extra time to look. And Parker has been cheating since the last commercial well, break. <laughs> no, I just needed yes. three wins. Yeah, so you, I'm, I'm going to say no. Joey Logano. Yeah, correct. Woo! <laughs> so, so in all fairness, Steve had Steve had the most difficult he one did. because 
If he got that one wrong, that skewed us off on who we would have picked. It's <laughs> a lot easier if she just said, give me the three drivers that have three wins. If you took away the three wins, oh, okay. I, I would have never known. Yeah, let me write that down, Steve, so I can make some notes for the next time we play. Guess the driver. Confetti for everybody, including Parker Kligerman. As we do consider, though, a few of this season's top performers, let's take a minute now, if we can, to revisit some of the best moments on the track during our coverage of NASCAR this year. Here comes Larson. Larson to the bottom of the track. Slide job. Trying to take the lead away. Slide job. They make contact. Here comes the 1842 sideways. Kyle Busch will win. The intensity ramping up. Chase Elliott's running for his life right now. Martin Truex Jr., he is on the prowl. Pressure is building at Watkins Glen. Truex is out of fuel. Truex is out. The crowd roars. Chase Elliott win in the Monster Energy Cup Series. Kevin Harvick, he has been dominant. He'll win again in the Irish Hills. Keelan Harvick in the passenger seat. Dad just dominated at Michigan. Race number one of the playoffs. Going to have to push, and there's danger every time you push too hard. Two playoff yeah, no. contenders. Bye, Kyle Busch into the grass. We got another crash. Two more playoff drivers. Kislowski, he'll win in Vegas. Three in a row in Vegas. Catching, baby. Fans on their feet, racing in Richmond. Short track style. Sideways goes Denny Hamlin. He keeps it straight. Big penalty for the dominant car here at Richmond. Brad Keselowski could not hold him off. Kyle Busch is going to sweep the Richmond races. Green flag in the air. We're racing at the Roval. This battle between these playoff guys is unreal. Keselowski and the 78 of Martrex Jr. are around. And too hard through one. Keselowski, Larson both into the wall. They pile up. Martrex Jr. Jimmy Johnson. Oh, he's and he's going to slide. Ryan Blaney in the 12 will win. Got to make every race count. Green flag, round two underway. Kevin Harvick, stage one winner. He's dominating here again today. The caution's going to come out again. Out of turn four. Chase Elliott's going to win at the Monster Mile. Talladega Super Speedway. Green is in the air. We're underway. Oh, we got to spin. Down the back straightaway. Kyle Larson around. One more time around. Will they have enough fuel? Into oh, the wall. Matt Benedetto in the 32. Almarola. There he goes. Almarola. to the outside. Elimination race. Typical Kevin Harvick, left side tires right on that white line, shoving that nose underneath the quarter panel. One lap to go. 22-year-old out of Dawsonville, Georgia. Chase Elliott, he's going to win Kansas. Martinsville Speedway, short track racing underway. Kyle Larson into the wall. Oh, that's huge. Clint Boyer spinning. Will he get the bumper? Yes, he does. Here comes Legato. Legato on the inside. A drag race. They're sideways. And it's going to be Legato getting the win. Miami, baby. The AAA Texas 500. Are we driving away? Oh, boy. Wow. There it is. There it is. We got a new chair for town. The four car is going to be tough. Harvick wins in Texas. Seven drivers fighting for just three open seats. Three wide as they go into turn one. Playoff pressure. The four slow on the track. He's got a flat rick. Joey Logano brings the caution out. Oh, we got a car in defense. Clint Boyer into the wall. There's the pass for the lead. Kyle Busch has oh, the check out. He catches the 38. Championship contenders involved here. One of the best in NASCAR. Kyle Busch is going to win in the desert. The championship will be decided. Whichever one of the championship four gets that finish line first will be the champion. And green flag is in the air. 
Harvard just past Joey Logano. 13,000 miles these guys have raced to get here with a chance to win the championship. Logano, here comes the 78. Things are heating up. Fighting side by side. This is for a championship. Truex with a great start. Here comes Logano. Joey Logano, Cup Series champion. Big thanks to our team for putting that together. That was, that was a awesome. great reminder of all really the moments cool. that we've had during our coverage. What's your favorite memory? All right, so I had to think about this for a while, and I had one, and then I came back to this other one, and it was simply the Roval. And not just the finish, but the whole idea of the Roval. It was the most progressive thing I've ever seen in this sport in my time being here in NASCAR, and I just loved every decision made by Marcus Smith, by NASCAR, everyone who made this happen, because it was so cool. It had such a cool atmosphere. We got rewarded with this insane finish between Jimmy Johnson, Martin Truex, and Ryan Blaney getting the win. But I just love this for the future of the sport, and I think this is the sort of thing we really need. Short tracks and road courses because there's one four-letter word that never gets mentioned at the short tracks and never got mentioned at the Roval, and that is aero. And I love that. And so I think this is exactly what the sport needs. I love that that happened this year and really enjoyed the race. Roval was good. It was cool. Roval was really cool. Steve, what about you? Well, there's no time like your first time, and it was Chase Elliott's victory at Watkins Glen. You know, known as an oval track racer to go to a road course, have a fast race car, but then have to hold off the defending champ, who was on his bumper every corner, every lap, from multiple laps. Chase Elliott, really that was the only misstep, as a little issue into turn one. I know the 78 ran out of gas, so we didn't get the great finish that I think we all would have expected coming to the line. But it was so much fun to watch. Really, excellence happen, and that's what we saw. Is the 9 had to be excellent, and the 78 forced him to be. And listen, we all remember our first one. You know? <laughs> Seems like a long time ago, though. <laughs> so, you know, when y'all asked me this question this morning, I, I couldn't pull one out, but I can tell you this. I don't know we've ever had a year with this many moments, this many big-time big moments where, you know, all the drivers stepped up, the crew, the crew chiefs, the team members. We had a great year of racing. This year in Xfinity, you know, we'd go up and watch an Xfinity race. We saw almost every Xfinity race was really, really good. The cup races were really good. I don't know what, as a race fan, we could have asked more of. I, I just, I leave this year, 2000, this, this year reminds me of why racing is so great. Drivers going at it, giving 100%. Through that, you're going to see contact every now and then. That's what being a NASCAR fan is about, is about, and this year delivered. This was a really, really good year of racing. So you don't need a vacation then, Jeff, do you? You just want to keep, keep it right on going, or...? Hey, man, I, I, let's go racing. Matter of fact, I will be racing I'm, in two weeks from now with my son. So. <laughs> Listen, you can reset the schedule as long as we reset the points because I need four different names to talk about. I'm running out of material Please. for these four. Please. I think a lot of fans feel that way. They wish there was some racing this weekend. Coming up, we are going to revisit Saturday's Spinny Series finale, which saw Tyler Reddick put on a show to bring home another championship to Junior Motorsports. That's next on NASCAR America. Welcome back, everybody. Thanksgiving night. You can treat yourself to an extra helping of football. Matt Ryan leading the Falcons against Drew Brees and the hottest team in the NFL, the New Orleans Saints. Thanksgiving night, 8 Eastern on NBC. I know I'm going to be watching. That's my fantasy quarterback. I know our analysts are going to be watching. Oh, it is? Drew Brees. Oh, cool. All right. Um, the Xfinity Series Championship on the line Saturday in Miami, Parker, ended up going to the dark horse Tyler Reddick past Christopher Bell for the lead with 37 laps to go, and then he pulled away. 
to the win and the Xfinity Series title. It was the third for Junior Motorsports. Reddick bookending his rookie season. We mentioned earlier he had that win at Daytona and then, of course, the win at Miami. And I don't think anyone thought coming in that he could do this other than Tyler Reddick and David Ellens, who <laughs> felt like they could pull this off if they stuck their plan of running the high line. He did it masterfully. He hit that wall a couple times but got away with it and comes out a champion. What an end of the season. I think, Jeff, this speaks to the point that you just made earlier before we took that commercial break, that the racing has been so good and exciting, not only in the Cup Series but in Xfinity as well. Um, Tyler Reddick, the man that nobody expected, not unlike Joey Logano at one point. Yeah, so, so Carolyn, I've, I've been an advocate for Cup drivers remaining in the Xfinity Series because I think that it gives Xfinity drivers a chance to show what they can do and learn a lot. But there's been no doubt that having cup drivers out of some of these races have made, have made these races better. This gave Tyler Reddick a chance to show what he can do. I mean, what he did Saturday night was, was crazy. I mean, it was phenomenal what he did. He put that thing on the wall and kept it there for 200 laps. And I didn't think he could do it. I thought at some point he was going to hit the wall, night was going to be over, but he did it. I mean, it was so impressive. I, he had the car to do it, but I want to tell you, he put himself in that position, was willing to risk it, Got to give him credit. I'd be willing to say he outdrove the other drivers in that race. Well, you say you might be wrong about the cup drivers. Well, I'm going to have to say that Tyler Reddick proved me wrong. I was very vocal about the driver of the nine. Never questioned his speed, but definitely questioned his focus. He would make simple mistakes, either too aggressive, block, mental mistakes, hit the wall at tracks, run on the top when he didn't even be that aggressive. And there were multiple times I'd walk through the Xfinity garage and he'd come grab me and we'd have a good he did conversation, and then I would explain my side, and he would hear me, and then we got into the playoffs, and next thing I know, I was talking to Dave Ellens and Tyler Reddick because I put a little on Dave Ellens that, hey, buddy, you have to, from on top of the pit box, you got to kind of control the tempo. And they both told me, that we have a plan, don't worry, we have a plan, and they proved me wrong because I questioned if he could do it all night long, and not even with 10 to go where I was begging the nine to come off the wall. He had a six-second lead. I think they did it just out of principle. They must have heard me, and they said, you know what, I'm going to run 10 more on the fence just well, to prove Steve, you wrong. Steve, Steve, the reason they didn't come off the wall, though, is because, you know, some of what they realized with Tyler was when they tried to back him down, he made more mistakes. And they told me, you know, going in the playoffs, they started to figure out, okay, how do we let him be him and let him do what he does best and not rein him back a little bit. And that's what worked so well. And that's what they did going into that race. And part of him being able to run up there next to that wall was that they tested there in August. They did 360 laps. 300 of them he did right next to the wall. And he told me going to that race, I'm going to run the wall and I'm going to hit it, but I'm going to get away with it. And I mean, that just I thought that was so impressive. The, the opening for me that Tyler Reddick could do this for this long and that this race wasn't too big for him, when you go back and you think about, and this is what, uh, Ryan Pemberton told me when I talked to him about Tyler Reddick, he said, think about this. Think about Darlington. Tyler Reddick ran really, really well at Darlington, had a good race right against the wall all day long. California, early in the year, right against the wall all day long. It kind of put him in his, like I said, in the broadcast. That's his happy place. Like, that's yeah. where he was comfortable. And so those two races gave us a little bit of a clue that he could make this happen because I can promise you, Darlington around the fence all night long is a difficult thing to do. California is a difficult thing to do. So, you know, those two races showed he could do this. Well, and don't sleep on Dave Ellens. Tyler Reddick, heck of a race car driver. Two in a row for Dave Ellens. William Byron, Tyler Reddick will get Noah Gragston next year. So that crew chief, we see, we see Kevin Mendering getting pulled out of yeah. Junior Motorsports to go to Jimmy Johnson. Remember Dave Ellens, because 
I think there'll be a time and a place where he's going to end up racing on Sundays. Yeah. No doubt. A shout out to our colleague Dale Earnhardt Jr. and Junior Motorsports yeah, as well, putting together absolutely. quite a resume of championships in the Xfinity Series. So well done for them. I'm sure that was a big weekend. Uh, while we're talking about ownership and organizations, what a year it has been for team owner Roger Penske from the Hall of Fame to picking up his 500th win to this year's Cup Series title, and there may be one more trophy on the way. Holy cow, a banner year. We'll be right back. Sixteen doing a great job tonight. They just crushed it. Uh, it was just a great execution by them tonight. So really proud of our group, and uh, we're champions. What a way to go out for Gasman Ray Gallahan, winning a title in his final race over the wall. He now transitions into the role of pit crew coach at Team Penske. Four members of the 22 pit crew were on all three of Joey Logano's championship four teams going back to 2014. This time, they won it all. A great night for Team Penske and for the captain. He sure delivered for us. He's been a great driver, a great team player, and tonight to see Team Penske again in this uh, championship hunt and being on top with Ford and certainly with Shell Pennzoil and all our fans around the world that are supporting us. But I want to thank you as NBC and what you're doing for us. But uh, it's a team effort, and this guy did it at the end when it counted, and I think he is the winner. You could see the car was getting better and better. Todd made some great stops. And again, the pit crew today did exactly what they did in Martinsville. They were the best on pit lane, and that, to me, made the whole difference. He gets some grief sometimes for how aggressive of a driver he is. Would you ever want him to change, Roger? I don't want him to change at all. In fact, I think he did just what he did today. He beat all these guys fair and square. Joey Logano's championship is just the latest milestone of what has been a memorable 2018 for Roger Penske. Back in May, he was elected to the NASCAR Hall of Fame that same month. Will Power brought home Penske's 17th Indy 500 win in September. Brad Keselowski earned Penske's 500th win across all major motorsports. You look at what they have accomplished, Steve. How would you describe the year that Roger Penske's had? Well, I think when you look at Roger Penske and Team Penske, they were probably the first organization to say, you know what, why do I have Indy cards in Indianapolis or Reading, Pennsylvania and NASCAR? down in Charlotte, he bought that big building up in Mooresville, put all his racing, all his management, all his smart guys under one roof, and there's some sort of cohesion there, and I don't think it's, I mean, technical sounds great and data sounds important, but I just think it's easier to set a clear and concise path. When the IndyCar guys win, I think that momentum spills over to the NASCAR side, or perhaps it's like your brother winning, and you say, well, if my brother's winning, I gotta win, and I think it pushes each other with inside the organization, but there's no doubt, listen, when you talk about American motorsports, there are names that will be remembered forever, and Penske is one of them, and 2018 is one memorable season of many for a man that's done great things for auto racing. Unbelievable guy, a uh, really good guy. I've been lucky enough to spend some time with him, he and his wife. They're great people, and he knows the formula to win races. He knows it's about people. He does what he has to do to get those people the right tools, but at the end of the day, he is a people person. He treats his people well, people like to work for him, 
Uh, he is a winner in every sense of the word. Yeah, any series Roger Penske competes in, it becomes a better series. I mean, he brings he brings value wherever he goes. No doubt about that. And I love, you know, from my time there, there's always a, a moniker that came with me from there. And the team always recites it. And that is effort equals results. And this team has certainly been putting out the effort. And I think it really comes from the top bottom. It comes from Roger Penske all the way through the organization. You see it through each and every person that touches the cars or works with the cars. They have this sense that there's a, you know, a greater, a greater goal for the race team. And it, it's, Steve said, it's through all the different racing they do. IndyCar, IMSA, NASCAR, V8 supercars. I mean, they're everywhere right now. And they all know that they're trying to achieve something greater for an organization. And they're a part of an organization that has achieved so much. And I think that gives them a lot of motivation and you just see it and when you talk to them and you see the things that they do and how professional they are and how nice everything they bring the racetrack is it's a wonder they don't win more often but obviously they're doing an incredible job <laughs> well to your point the winning may not be over actually in fact they are yep. everywhere this upcoming weekend like you said team Penske Scott McLaughlin can win the supercars title on the streets of Newcastle Australia so all around the world and uh, we congratulate Roger Penske on an incredible year coming up on the show as you may have expected there's a little bit of trolling on social media oh. in response to Joey Logano's winning the title. The mayor has a thing or two to say to those haters, by the way. You do not want to miss this because we're going to fire them up when we All come right, back. All right, here we go. <laughs> NASCAR America is brought to you by Mobile One Annual Protection. Proven protection for 20,000 miles. This past weekend in Miami was big for our colleague Marty Snyder. Not only did his son Myatt take home Rookie of the Year honors in the Truck Series, but Marty claimed the championship oh. for broadcasters in the NASCAR America Fantasy League. I would like to point out that Kyle Petty finished Finish. second place. and um, Not only did Marty win, we all <laughs> lost to Kyle. <laughs> yeah, That's exactly. all we have to say here. Oh, we're all losers. But the big winner from the weekend is this year's Cup Series champion, Joey Logano. Received a lot of praise on social media. I want to make sure that that is clear from the fans. They were pumped. But it also was a mixed bag. A couple fans um, sending some thoughts with the same kind of sentiment. This one from JW. So here. look at here under the original old system. Pre-2003, Kyle Busch won the Cup by 48 points to Rowdy as the real champion. Joey Logano is the paper, paper champion. champion. So, Jeff, what do you have to say to that? Well, I tell you what I'm going to do. Steve and I have had a conversation about that particular tweet. I'm going to let you take that one, Steve. I'm going to get the next one, though. Well, listen, you race within the system you race. That tweet right there reminds me we should go back and see who won the Masters and then try to make believe who won it if they moved the tees up five or 600 <laughs> yards, right? Like, <laughs> I, yeah. you, can't, you can't change the format in which they race in. Listen, it's 15 years from now. Let's move on. This is the system. This is the fifth year of the system. I, I think it is. Isn't it kind of absurd? It's ridiculous because you race to the system you're in. It's, it's the playoffs. Uh, all right. Do we? This basically says they hate the overly complicated system that a driver of three wins on the year wins a championship. Similar sentiments, right? <laughs> so, Haley, I got a question for you. So, Dale Earnhardt won seven championships. He only won two where he won the most races in those years. Five years, Dale Earnhardt, one of the greatest drivers ever, he won a championship without winning the most races. Is he any less a champion because he didn't win the most races? <laughs> Jeff. I mean, we're going to have to take him away from him, I guess. Sorry, Dale, you only got two. Oh, Carolyn, I mean, you got him fired up. In that, ridiculous. Case, in that case, we're taking away Matt Kenseth's championship as well. There you go. Oh, I got a long uh, list. I got a long and list. And lastly, Matt Case here. Nothing's more damaging in NASCAR than Joe Logano winning. There's never been a champion less deserving him. Heart goes out yeah, to the real drivers nothing race. Nothing more damaging, That's Jeff. a thumbs down for me. All right, here we go. 
31% of champions from night from 91 to 03, 31% won the most races in a year. 31%. Listen to this list of drivers. Petty, Earnhardt, Terry Labonte, Kawicki, Kel Yarborough. Some of the greatest drivers in the history of the sport won championships without winning the most races. Jeff you think Burton they're not the champions? Jeff Burton Grow up, people. <laughs> after the season is over. We'll be back tomorrow at 5. Hope you enjoyed the show. We'll see you then. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939.